Hi, I'm Emily. And I'm Stephen. And this is In a Barbie World. The podcast where we look at every Barbie movie from 1987 to the present day. From fairy tales to literary classics. From Mariposa to Mamadia. It's time to get unboxed. Readjust your lippy. Rock the ball gown. And let's get our Barbie on. Barbie as the princess and the pauper. Barbie is doing like a, can't think of an example, but like a playing, playing two characters here in this movie. She is. She's going full Prisoner of Zender, full yeah. uh, Man in the Iron Mask, full That's The Parent it. Trap. There you go. Um, Hundreds of examples. They're right. It's a really common trope. I hadn't really thought about it much, but this is a, and, and a, yeah, it's quite a common thing in movies, isn't it, for for twins? Or Mary Kate and uh, the other Olsen, or Ashley. or people. Ashley, that's the one. Well, they're not even the most important Olsen anymore, are they? That's the that's the irony. But but it's quite a common thing for twins or, or split screen technology to be used to to tell a story of someone from a different side of the tracks that happens to look just mm-hmm. like you. Um, and and it's Barbie's turn. In fact, it and, is Barbie's uh, turn. Uh, or her first go at it as I understand it. Yes, yes. In this adaptation of Mark Twain's famous literary classic, The Prince and the Pauper, which I don't really know the story of, to be honest, so I cannot pull this up for accuracy. I have a feeling that it's not close to the source material, just it's, because of certain <laughs> things that happen. So um, he wrote he, he wrote it whilst writing um, Huckleberry Finn. Okay. I think he was... I think... I think I think that's right. I did some. I did a little bit of reading a couple of days ago, um, but it's a children's book, in effect, mm. um, set oh, okay. in set in Tudor times. So basically, right. the story of um, Edward uh, Henry VIII's son, sickly young son Edward, Edward Seventh, who, who became king at fifteen, I believe. Um, I know this because I did A level history and I did the Stuart, <laughs> and none of this happened. But yes, it's a it's a story about poverty and oh, the. I hab. had no idea but, it was actually about a historical king. I thought it was yeah, always so, like a t- fictitious king. No, it's historical fiction. Now, a lot of the remakes, the the reimaginings, don't take that into account. I think he was originally going to set it in Victorian times, but decided to put it into Tudor times, and so that, that's kind of, it's kind of interesting. Um, mm. Mark Twain's one of those authors that um, I don't think over here in England we're that aware of. No, I don't really. Um, I, I can't really tell you about Huck Finn, other than that I think Elijah Wood played him once when he was a baby. Yeah, like pre Lord of the Rings. I remember a TV, a, a Tom Sawyer TV series we used to have pumped out to us in the in the in the eighties, nineties, mm. um, which was probably made in the seventies. Um, uh, I remember a New York spaceman and a Connecticut spaceman in King Arthur's Court or something like that. Some <laughs> dreadfully titled movie that used to be on a lot, but I think he's a bit like. Um, there's a, there's a couple of um, like Walt Whitman, you know, to Americans, incredibly important yeah. poet. Over here we have, you know, Breaking w- Bad reference. Dude, 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 we've got Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Shut the fuck up, we got Shakespeare. <laughs> um, but I think um, so. I think it's probably. I, I I don't know if it was an original thought by Mark Twain, but it's probably Mark Twain's most well-known story, even if we don't mm. know the 
story, story if you know what yeah. i mean yeah yeah um, <laughs> and, and and of course i i was thinking of it in from toys point of view because you know i like to get into the head of mattel and mm-hmm. and actually there's a bit of genius going on here because not only now is it used to have more than one barbie to buy but of course lots of young girls and maybe young boys have more than one barbie yeah it's such an easy present to buy as an uncle I'm pretty certain I've bought my niece and my children multiple Barbies. And if they are a bit literal, they won't know what to do with them. Now there's a story they can play where they can have Barbie talking to Barbie and not have to pretend they're all twin sisters. So, good call, Mattel. And the slight difference in like hair and skin tone and dress, obviously one being pink, one being blue. Um, Genius, because then you can have the accompanying everything for both sets for both each Barbie needs her own cat and her own horse and her own carriage and her own ball gown and her own peasant dress and her own hairbrush and all of these things. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, to go with the story, they can, in theory, be interchangeable as well, which works really well. Um, so very interesting. I was pumped to see this one because it is it has such a big following it seems to be really well beloved by the sort of fandom of the barbie universe as it were a lot of cosplayers keep whacking these clothes out um it it seems to be really popular and oh boy (laughs) (laughs) oh it did not disappoint yeah why did nobody tell me (laughs) this is amusing it's a musical. It has original songs in it. It's so good. Well, it's so good. Not of to course, get all my feelings out at the, the beginning. First film, the, the first film, the first film was also a musical. Um, that's Barbie it? and oh, the Rockstar. Yeah, Star. I guess. No, totally. no, I get it. No, this is this is the first to CGI to be a musical. It's the first CGI not to live in some fantasy land. Although there are talking yeah. animals, which mm. I was a bit disappointed about. But but it's... they only talk to each other. It's like Babe. Babe never chats yes. to Farmer Hogger. He only chats to the farm animals. That's very true. But yes, it is, and it, it's a proper musical with. It's a proper musical with songs. Now, <laughs> I think I'm on enough record on other podcasts to everyone to know I freaking hate musicals. How so can you? This was going to be a challenge. Did you know going in? Oh yeah, I knew. I didn't know. I had no idea that this was a musical. Yeah, and just a... as I pressed play and the music started, I glanced at the DVD cover and it was like, see Barbie and her first full-length musical. And I was like... <gasps> and uh, it was just majestic the whole way through. Like, I, thought you, I, 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 was, um, I was thinking of you was watching it thinking... <laughs> Emily's gonna like this because yeah. there's there's people singing in a musical style. So yeah, so so it's quite true. Barbie and the Rockers, Barbie and Sensations was 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 neither feature length nor really a musical. They were just mm-hmm. like singing songs, weren't they? As yeah, they were in. in the in songs the didn't progress the, the plot, unlike no. here where they give yeah. character yeah. development, backstory, and exposition and all of these yes. other wonderful where, where, things. Where people sing instead of talk. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so good. And it's also the longest one. So this is now, mm. we're now at a full on 90 minutes as well. Yeah. Which I think we were talking about in some previous episodes. That, so that 70, 75 minute is a sweet spot for kids. Mm. Um, by adding the songs in, 
I think that adds an extra 10 minutes because some of these, you know, you're right. I, I, I was being facetious when I said you singing instead of talking because you do things that you, you might have said in one sentence that you stretch out to be a two minute song. You do, you do. It's, and, and you know, I'm going to say it here first. It's absolutely charming. The songs yes! are, are inoffensive. Um, I'm not saying I'm humming them around that. I don't find them to be... No, they weren't particularly memorable, but I think they're memorable in the sense that I might, when I'm drunk, be like, oh, what was that one that she sang to a cat and get it up on YouTube and have a listen to it again? Um, oh, my God, I've just remembered... Oh, I'm so fucking excited to talk about this movie. <laughs> it's so good. It really lives up to the hype. I would argue it goes beyond the hype because I didn't know much about it at all going in. Um, I mean, it starts with fucking backstory. I was like, holy shit, like, this is a movie. This is, did this have a cinematic release? It deserves one. That's how you're going to get the people back into cinemas. Also going forward, as cinemas reopen across the UK, I would like to start a petition that before every screening, we have, like, the Barbie DVD menu where Barbie is like... Are you ready to watch No Time to Die? <laughs> Enjoy the movie. <laughs> Are you ready to watch Black Widow? <laughs> Enjoy the movie. Like, I just want that for everything. Oh, especially, especially like the, when I said about the Rapunzel one, which gives you snark for choosing the modern yeah. outfit. Yeah. Oh, you want to watch No Time to Die, do you? Oh, well. <laughs> um, yeah, give you snark. <laughs> no, that, that would be oh my God. marvellous. I want um, it. I want it. Oh, yeah, so they, so they open up as as you say with some with some exposition. So first important thing, Owen has taken the Kelly Shelley frame away with him. New new director, new. Yes, so the, the, I didn't the, the, even old, m- remember so, to miss it. So yeah, there's some exposition going on that describes what's been going on in this feudal nation, and there's some really nice sort of pseudo watercolor. Mm. Um, painting stills so that that, that that are used to frame this and, and I was a bit like oh come on you don't need to tell us all this why aren't we doing this in the story but of course what it is it just gets a whole bunch of stuff out of the way that you'd have had to have gone on an ex- exposit for the first 20 minutes of the film and you get it out of the way in two minutes yeah um, those, exactly those of us that know the story of the prince and the pauper you know we get it and the, those the that don't as well, it was helpful because I never knew. I thought they were like separated at birth or something, but they very explicitly were like, this person was born to these people and this person was born to these people. They are not related in any way. They just look the same. Begin. Yeah, and which is, you know, which is probably the only thing that is taken from the Prince and the Pauper novel, as far as I know. <laughs> Nothing else. I Nothing else is the same from now on. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was different. It was nice. It was different. Um, it felt like a new a new order cometh. Yeah, and I really I don't know. I really hope that we stick with this sort of thing because it it almost felt like it was trying, but it didn't. This is going to do it a disservice. Like it was trying to do a Disney. Like it was a full length musical based on a literary classic. Um, blah 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 like you could argue that's very 90s Disney 
um but here in 2004 but actually it it wasn't because disney have already moved away from that structure and they were doing it even in mid 90s moving away from it but barbie do it so well here mattel do it so well and it really is its own thing it doesn't feel like i'm watching a disney movie it feels like i'm watching a barbie movie she's got enough out there now for me to understand what she's coming for and on top of that this story is so feminist like it's so good like barbie is doing shit here that you would never see the disney princesses do even in the 90s like it is so modern in some of its uh storytelling choices um you know we've got annalise who's the princess and then erica who's the pauper and annalise is like Elle Woodsing it. She's like super into science. We're not gonna get a Disney heroine who's into science until like the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean or like the live action Dumbo mm. movie, like 2017 through to 19. And this is 2004, and our main character is a princess who would rather be reading science books than eating eggs, is what the example that she gave was, which I was a bit like, Annalise, I'm pretty sure you could do what you want. You are a princess, but I feel you. I get what you're saying. Um, so how good is that? How good is that? Um, and she's so the again, goes back, And that goes back to you know, this whole Barbie as role model. You mm. know, we were talking about since the first episode. This is this is not your... I mean, she's, she's woefully ignorant of of the life outside the castle but she knows that yeah and that's a really funny aspect of this movie how sort of um (laughs) i don't know i don't know enough of the terminology but it's we'll get there when we when they meet but um it's very funny to me how yeah the themes of this movie and the the sort of awareness that they give to the characters that actually are quite detrimental rather mm. than just pretending that everything's a lovely fairy tale kingdom we start to talk about like indentured servitude and stuff and you're like um barbie <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that is yeah we'll get there in a minute but, <laughs> but yeah um, so the, this the, is the, sorry well, yeah, no, I'm just going to say this is this is not capitalist. This is not a a, 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 a capitalist manifesto. This film, it's um, <laughs> it, it, it it's got throws huge shade on the feudal system. Um, has some interesting um, an interesting take on how the pinning your currency to the gold standard works. I it doesn't work like this at all. Do not think you understand economics if you want, if, if you're going to use this film, especially especially if you're going to pin your currency against geodes. But again. That's a long way down the line yet, but um, it all kind of plays out for this. So, yeah, so it's, it's it's definitely in the aspirational Barbie world, um, mm. with some, some dark some... dark dark things here to talk about. Yeah, um, and, and it's a musical. Um, it's a musical, and from the off, we very early on we learn that Annalise is betrothed to King Dominic of the neighbouring count ca- ca- kingdom. But she's in love with Julian, who is her tutor. Well, um, hang on, let's, so... let's, let's, let's just wind back a bit, right? Oh, sorry. Basically, basically, Mum, the Queen, who looks like old Barbie. Yeah. It's <laughs> really, really well done. Um, has pinned the whole country to the gold standard. They've run out of coal in their mine. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not how it works, but doesn't matter. Um, 
and she, she she's not she's not just betrothed her daughter she's basically using her as a mechanism for investment into the country so so <laughs> and she's but king dominic yeah she keeps king, losing her glasses <laughs> <laughs> king dominic is going to marry annalise isn't it yeah um in return for investing into this this small um nation state um Which so and and that mm-hmm. sounds that 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 is kind of what happened back in feudal society. You yeah. know that that is that is you know your daughter was perfect sort of currency um, currency. Yeah, like. <laughs> um, and and many a political you know a, a political you, deal was struck know, over a marriage. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. So we've got that. So we've got that as well. But yeah, let's just not forget, Mum's mismanaged the whole deal. Oh God, she's um, and she and she just mentioned the, she's a widow. The true villain. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't think she, I don't think she's the true villain. I think she's just a victim of the times. Which also um, is is so good because so often you know there's the case for the Disney mum where they don't have them. There's no such thing as the Disney mum for years. And this is so prevalent throughout the 90s. Um, you know, I can think of three Disney mums that I'm aware of off the top of my head. And that's where it ends. Um, because they're all dead. Whereas here it's the dad that's dead, which in Disney you're not going to get until the princess and the frog. Um, spoilers mm. for the princess and the frog that came out in 2009. But, you know, it's so great. So we've got the woman, the middle-aged woman running the kingdom poorly, but... She is here with her daughter rather than some sort of bumbling buffoon dad, um, which still exists in the form of King Dominic's dad, but he, it's it's just really cool. Um, but just hearing the setup, I instantly, assuming what was going to happen, um, did what I did in 2013 when I first went to see Frozen and there was that poster where their four heads were in the snow of Christoph, Hans, Anna, and Elsa. And I was like, oh, so Anna will get with Hans and then Elsa will get with Christoph because he's really into ice and she's like an ice queen. Um, Because I wasn't ready for sisterly love. I wasn't ready for the subversion of the the tropes to be smashed back in my face along with the glass ceiling. I just didn't ever expect it to happen. So I'd made my mind up. um, But this is what I expected to happen in Frozen. I was like, oh, okay, we're going to get a what would have been Frozen if Frozen wasn't Frozen thing where we're going to like switch partners around and we're all going to like hook up and like, that's really cute. I'm down with that. Like, I can't wait to see that happen. I'm very excited for it. Um, I assume uh, I didn't think that Annalise and Erica would rule the kingdom together somehow here in 2004. But um, then again, I wasn't ready for it when Frozen came out either. I was like, they'll all have to end up with men because this is a Disney movie. Um, and yeah, and it's, you know, it is like the Middle Ages. So, you know, sometimes yeah. we have to accept, um, oh, we don't have to accept anything, but sometimes you know, these, these things, we just, these things will happen. We just, these things will happen. Exactly. So, yeah, sorry. I know, I know I pulled you back there. I thought it was very important to note that, no, that, it that, was. that, that Barbie's <laughs> chattel was an important thing here. Because and, there's and, so much of that in here that's questionable in that way that you're like, this is for kids and you're making it not for kids and like they do try to where barbie uh sorry annalise is very much like 
my duty. I need to do my duty to my kingdom. It's a shame, but I'll do it because I must do my duty. Um... <laughs> duty. She said duty. <laughs> um, and of course, Erica, it's the same. Mm. Yeah, because she's an indentured student because of her parents' loans to <laughs> some to some dressmaker stroke moneylender woman. <laughs> yeah. you got to have several jobs here in the kingdom of... Where are we? Where are we? I don't kingdom think of... they ever Oh, in an say... unnamed kingdom. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah, the kingdom they, of unnamed. They, they, couldn't, um, they didn't get that far. They didn't get that far. But yes, she she's as you said, the indentured slave um, yeah. that that's paid off half the loans, but has got another 37 years, um, <laughs> apparently because of interest, um, which is, you know, very similar. Basically, the parents have, in order Fox to bring her up, basically, you know, she's become chattel. She's become the equivalent of money. Um, Which again so, so... is so interesting because you're right, it is technically historically accurate and what a brilliant foundation to put on these two characters and then give us reasons as to why we then still root for them and still make them contemporary and they're not slaves to their era or even their circumstances within the narrative. They're still awesome role models despite all of this um rather than putting them in a fictional kingdom where everything's just sort of okay uh it's so mm. good it's so good so um the first song is called free and it's um tight tight harmonies from both erica and annalise about how they wish they could escape their sort of humdrum lives to do something else. So Erica wants to be a singer and travel the world, and Annalise wants to just not be a princess, essentially. Uh, which is fair enough. It's a very common trope. Princess doesn't want to be a princess. Um, but she's also... She's very... They're such good, distinct characters. Like, they really do a good job of making them different. Um, not And not just by hair colour. Like, or, yeah, or, or... and not boring either. Like, mm. Annalise is very restrained because she's been brought up in the palace environment and that's reflected in her in her voice, in her mannerisms, whereas Erica's a bit more wild. And it's just really fun, I think, um, from all aspects, whether you're playing with them as Barbies, whether you're acting them out on the playground or whether you're just watching them and there's these good distinctions. Um, really, really good. As we've come to expect in a Barbie movie, they will always reserve a hefty part of the budget for their villain voice. And a Holly- villain Hollywood star voice. Yeah. And we're I, not disappointed I, here. We're not. We get the great Martin Short. Hell yeah. I was um, like, who is that? And I googled it and I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> I well, love one you. of the three amigos. Um God, Yeah. Um, maybe maybe a little a little past his um I don't expect many many uh 
of the audience know who Martin Short is of, for this film. But well, so, you know, he was those... in The Prince of Egypt. Uh, that's where I, I first now. knew him. Ah. Yeah, he's the with Steve Martin. He they play the two mm. priests in The Prince of Egypt. So not only have I heard him before, but I've heard him sing before as an animated character, which is why it was so familiar to me. Um, ah, and possibly as a kid, you might pick that up if you're watching. I mean, two very different stories: DreamWorks, The Prince of Egypt, and Barbie's Princess and the Pauper. Um, both very dark in different ways. But um, they don't kill the firstborns of Egypt here in The Princess and the Pauper, so they don't quite go there. But yes, he is wonderful. And I really, really hope this is a trope that doesn't die. I really hope they keep churning out these big-named villains because, my God, he is brilliant. He plays Preminger, who is the typically evil advisor, royal advisor to the Queen, He's dressed perfect. He's got this powdered wig and this face that's just villainous. Um, And he sings a wonderful song, which possibly has plagiarism problems, as it sounds very much like Jack's Lament from The Nightmare Before Christmas. Ah. But (laughs) I'm sure that's not what they were going for. Um, So this is How Can I Refuse, yes? (laughs) Yes, How Can I Refuse, because he's been the one stealing all the gold because that's how the economy works here. They just dig, 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 dig until they run out of gold. (laughs) So we're going to park this. We're going to park this, but Nick and Knack, is that the name of his two little mates? Nick and Knack, yes. So Nick and Knack have somehow been able to drain the the mines of gold which leads me to believe there wasn't that much there if two of them could do it yeah <laughs> and it's kind of forgotten about that he's got all the gold yeah it's he's so his plan is shit but his plan is to bankrupt the nation that's his initial plan yeah he amends the plan later because he wants to bankrupt the nation and then put himself no. forward as a rich person to marry Annalise. Ah, is that what it was? Okay, yeah. and then he ch- he changes his mind later. Uh, so it's very yeah. Swan Princess meets something right. else where someone steals all the money. But yeah, so the original plan, which is quite um, interesting, because for me, it would have been. Yeah, so I think we'll sort of go into it a little bit here, just because initially he's going to drain the mines of gold, keep it for himself to become rich, because I guess that's how it works, um, and then put himself forward and be like, I'm really rich, just believe me. Like, just mm. believe me that there's nothing left in your mines and I have lots of money. Just believe All me, of a I sudden. have no proof. All of a sudden. Um, I've been here for 10 years. But they're it's, it's not stated. related. <laughs> they're not related things. Um, so I'm going to marry your daughter, Annalise, which is horrible because, you know, like in Aladdin, when Jafar proposes to Jasmine, Annalise is like 15 and Preminger is like 45 at least, if not older. Um which is really gross but then later on he amends his plan to marry the queen instead of annalise now due to due to some botched kidnapping attempts yeah due well to, some to be bots. fair to be fair 
I think I think his plan. I, I still don't quite understand his plan, but his plan is screwed up by the fact there is an identical non-frater non-fraternal twin. Fraternal, fraternal be brother, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, I don't know what I don't know what the I don't know what the female equivalent is, but yes, but due to some quirk in genetics, possibly yeah. due to this being a very small kingdom and a lot of inbreeding, you know. Yes, almost. Um, um, yeah, he, he amends it to be the queen, which actually makes a lot more sense and is a lot less. Well, this is the thing; it less, makes more less sense. Creepy, and it's kind yeah. of less creepy, which is why if I had been writing this script, I would have pushed for the original plan to be to marry the queen. And as all the kidnapping attempts get botched more and more and more, he then pushes to marry the princess, um, in order to then like keep her silent and keep her under his control. It's creepier. It's scarier. There's more stakes for her at the end of the movie instead of doing a save my mom thing it's a save me thing um they both work i both like them i don't really yeah. have a problem i just personally would have thought the twist in the change of marriage in, or intention to go to the daughter instead of the mum would have been scarier um mm. a, and doing it as a thing of like i cannot control you i'm gonna marry you in that sort of like you know, babes in Toyland grabbing the wrist down the aisle and keeping her gagged kind of thing. I don't know. Like, that's what just I'm, what I'm used to in these child bride evil arrangements in my movies from my childhood because that's the kind of shit that they just gave us all the time back in those days. I don't know if they had a lot of issues to deal with, but now we've got issues because of these movies. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I like it. I like it. And we'll talk more about the twist in the plan um, as we get to hit. But his mm. How Can I Refuse is marvellous. It's it's nice. It's fun. It's set in the mind. And this is the thing. We're really feeling this idea of a, of a kingdom and a world again. Like, like with Swan Lake, we'd really gotten this sense of place and time. It's even more here with the princess and the pauper like i know this unnamed kingdom i know it's woods and it's back pubs and it's mines and it's palaces like everything's really thoughtfully drawn out and it's lovely it's it's a well defined world i agree yes mm. um where is my stage show of barbie as the princess and the pauper why is this not on stage that's just a note that I made near the beginning of the movie. Why hasn't or, it been given a live-action musical yet? Although it has been given a board game <gasps> and a Game Boy Advance game. Nice. So it's um, this is they're really pushing the uh, the whole the whole marketing, you know, and and you know. Mm. Get, Having a computer game of a Barbie, well, that's kind of interesting. I mean, there were Barbie I would play PC the games. There were there were Barbie PC games before um, mm -hmm. that were thing, but there were things like dressing Barbie up, like, a bit like the games you get on the DVDs, yeah. Or oh, I remember yeah. we had a show jumping one, nice. but you know they were very much like playing with the dolls, but on mm. the PC to actually have a platform game based around. A Barbie movie, I think, is kind of interesting because it puts uh, these women as active protagonists, mm. and you can play as them, stealing keys and running away from kidnapping, and 
jumping buildings and things like that. Like, just the thought of a Game Boy game playing as Erica, first of all, take my money. Where is it? <laughs> Secondly, um, it is. It's really exciting and it's it's active and you're you're running around as this cool character in a nice dress doing cool shit. And that's really mm. good. Whereas previously we haven't had the option to do that other than obviously with the dolls themselves. Um but different medium, different format, different ideas, um, especially the, the, when was, you start thinking of gender. And there was quite a lot of that on the Game Boy Advance. I mean, that's this is a whole different thing that I'm interested in. But that, but to, but it did. It was a platform which a, which was not a gender specific thing. And obviously, we mm. obviously think quite often about computer games, especially sort of in up to this point it's very male dominated but of course that's all changing during this period of time and and the game boy advance was one of the things all the, all the game boy series to be fair were quite gender neutral but to see a barbie game on there i, th- I thought that was quite interesting it might be something i'll do a bit more digging up about for a future oh episode yeah i'd have killed it i had my lovely like see-through pink game boy advance and i played mm. Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the animated series, the game. I played Metroid Prime and I played like Tetris. Um, And I think we had a Mary Kate and Ashley detective game as well. Mm, That sounds sounds Um, likely. Yes, of course, of course. uh, Metroid Prime, Samus is a woman, isn't she? Which um, was was one of the great gender reveals of of an earlier age. Anyway, your, your point was. Why isn't this a stage show? And yeah. I do, I do feel of of everything that we've seen so far. This is get crying out for it, really. Work. Yeah. Um, it, you know, we know that it is one of the most beloved films in the franchise. Mm-hmm. I think it's been adopted by the lovers of Barbie, of the gay community, of understandably of pe- so people who love musicals. Um. You know, it's got it's got a really good. Um, and it, they even did I think they did a, a, a CD of of some of the music. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, you wouldn't actually have to have them like Barbies. Um, <laughs> you know, you could you could just do a live action thing with this as as, as a story, couldn't you? In a genius move, both narratively and toyly. And just for fun, Lee, everyone has an accompanying animal. And in a wonderful twist of what you're used to, the good guys have cats and the bad guy has a dog, which is usually the other way around. Usually the cats are evil. Oh, um, Blofeld style, yes. Yeah, yes. or cats and dogs, or Lucifer and Bruno in Cinderella. Like, they just, the cats are always evil. Um, unless it's like Oliver and company, but that's a completely different thing. So uh, there's Serafina, who is the very neat and tidy, beautiful white cat that belongs to Annalise. Then there's the wonderful um, Wolf, who is Erica's cat. Wolfie. Wolfie, sorry. Um, Who thinks, who doesn't even think, he like, he like, is a dog he's like a cat dog he's like a cat that like barks and like acts like a dog and he like talks like a cockney whereas Serafina is very posh and then you got Wolfie who's so Wolfie 
this is this is this is a deep dive and shows to my age, right? So you you know Robert Lindsay, the the actor, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so Robert Lindsay came to true fame in the United Kingdom in a show called Citizen Smith where he played it was a, it was a sitcom, sort of a half hour sitcom, BBC sort of thing where he played like a a guy from South London who was a revolutionary called Wolfie Smith. Wolfgang, I guess, and the mum of his girlfriend always oh Wolfie, and every time, every time they mentioned it, all I thought of this Wolfie was Robert Lindsay's TV mum, um, saying oh Wolfie, <laughs> and I thought as he was from South London, which is um, it's not quite you know I know Cockney is isn't isn't South London, it's East London, but still, um, I wondered if if somebody during the making of this was um. Yeah, it was riffing on this because because there are cats which do bark, not quite mm. like a dog. I believe do not um Siamese cats. Yeah, do they not? Do they not do more of a bark oh, than a purr and a meow? Or, or, or but not like a dog. Yeah, I don't understand. I did spend a good fifteen minutes of this film wondering if Wolfie was a cat that barked like a dog or a dog that looked like a cat. Yeah, I. I thought it was a cat that looked like a that that barked like a dog because then because then they both have cats. Well, it oh, well it, it actually it all it all makes sense much later on. It's mm. all absolutely put to bed. <laughs> literally, <laughs> quite quite literally. <laughs> um, but, um, I, I thought I, it was wonderful. I loved that there's a cat that barks like a dog. Like how interesting they could have easily have just made the two cats like one really posh and one really sooty. Or yeah, whatever. made it a, f- a feline lady in the tramp they could have done, yeah, couldn't they? Yeah, exactly. But they didn't. They went one step beyond because they care. And thank God they do. And then Preminger has uh, a poodle uh, who, uh, in everything you've ever seen, the poodle will sound incredibly posh or be voiced by Bette Midler or will have some sort of French accent. Here... The poodle is from the fucking Bronx. The poodle I, has like an a Italian new joint gangster. I, I don't know what to make of this. This is this is the one non sequitur of the film to me. I'll 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 do I'll deal with two people who are exactly the same due to due to his, I'll deal with even the dog cat. This this poodle, which isn't terribly well realised by the animation either. No. Um, I, I don't. It, it's the weakest bit of animation. It talks like a wise guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, Serafina, I'm gonna get you. Oh my god! You're gonna, you're gonna get some concrete like... boots on if you're not careful. You know? <laughs> Sleeping with the fishes, Serafina. Oh my god, it's so good. My notes were just like tw- in caps lock, twice the size of my other po- po- like notes. It's like that poodle is from the fucking Bronx and it's amazing. It really uh... took me by surprise. <laughs> I felt in a really good way. I was like, I'm enjoying this. What a. Because you want earworms when you're a kid, you want these mm. little. And you want these characters to have weird voices without being racist, obviously, but you want them to have memorable character voices that you can mimic and imitate. Um, 
and I can't do a like <laughs> you want about sundial like New York kind of <laughs> accent, but he, this is just amazing because it's a fucking poodle and it sounds like it's. it's and we have we have you know we have had some history of this in the other films where you know we've had mm. the bat and the um oh god what was the character in Rapunzel the well, there's a dragon. Um, yeah, oh, no. and then there was the like, uh, was it a bunny rabbit? A weasel. He's like a weasel, isn't oh, he? Yeah. The ermine stoat thing. Yeah. So we have, we have, we have some previous with funny accented bad animals, um, but this this one has this this poodle has two main character features. One is he speaks like Tony Soprano, and the other one is he's got a gold tooth. <laughs> he's got oh, a gold and... tooth, and he's called Midas. And he's called Midas. So and he's called Midas on the nose. I mean, it's yeah, so I, I, because it's like Home Alone, where Harry is constantly scared about losing his gold tooth, and then he does. Like that's the subplot of this poodle. He's terrified of losing his gold tooth. And spoiler alert, he does, and it's so I'm, good. I'm not. I'm not sure. I I, I have the same love to the, <laughs> for Midas as you do, because Martin Short, let's not forget, has played Premier. As an Englishman, yes, yeah, as, as some sort of Georgian Englishman in 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 a in a completely, you know, uh, anachronistic way, um, why he would have a poodle that's a gangster? <laughs> <laughs> because it's amazing. <coughs> but um, it is. Oh, I really it love isn't... it. It isn't as annoying. It isn't as annoying as Maggie Wheeler's voice, which is a real mm. love it or hate it thing in in the previous film. Yeah. And and not too much time is is wasted with these characters. They have their own News. little subplots, but but it, it's it's comic relief, isn't it? Because yeah, as we've discussed, I, I really there's some like dark it. old there's some dark old shit going on down here. Yeah, you know, as, as we've spoken about, there's, there's we haven't even got to our first kidnapping yet, but there's going to be there's <laughs> kidnappings, uh, indentured servitude, um, selling your child off to save the kingdom, um. Yeah, there's there's a, a, a strange kidnap plots involving different members of families. Um, yeah, so to have to have this is a bit of a laugh. So yeah. okay, I, I'm, I'm going to let you have it. I'm not taking points away from Midas, <laughs> but just be aware it's unlike anything else in the movie. <laughs> yeah, um, I love it. I love these three animals. I think the way they're used is good. I think that you're right it's not like disney cinderella where sometimes we can spend too much time with the mice and not enough time with cinderella um they balance it out really well here and they're useful to the plot and they're interesting and i root for them um so it's really good so um annalise is hanging out with julian who is a very well realized ken here julian is very attractive in this movie he i talked about previously in swan lake they were really working on the faces and the dialogues between the lovers julian is up there with like dimitri from anastasia like he's like a really good character he's like memorably good he's hot is what i'm trying to say (laughs) yeah i'm i'm not um I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm not touching any of this with barge poles or even with your barge pole, <laughs> frankly, because he's an animated character. But um, 
But it's, he's, he's he is an interesting character. Period, because he's yeah. he's Annalise's tutor, I think. Mm. Um, he belongs. He's one of the few characters that lives in both worlds. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody. You know, he, he's clearly from the town, but is allowed to visit. Um, he and he's just genuinely nice. And sharp yeah, and, and intelligent. Not, and This is the thing. He's not nice in a way that we've seen the Ken role fall into the classic princess role before now, where they're just nice, they turn up, they dance, they sing, they get married. Mm. Julian, again, has agency. He has action. He's thoughtful he's going, and inquisitive. And, and he's going to take part in the plot. So he's a mm. key person. Ju- Julian has an alter ego. <laughs> I don't know what to call him, but <laughs> King Dominic is also played by Ken. Um, yes. who and he does is, more fall into the traditional... He, he, he does. And he's he's overly perfect in some ways. And he doesn't yes. seem to have... You know, he, he just accepts a lot of things without any fuss and nonsense. Um, mm-hmm. He's a bit too perfect. He's a, I don't know what the male equivalent for Mary Sue is, but that's what I feel King Dominic is. He's, yeah. just, he's, just, he's just perfect in every way. And you just think... Ugh. But it's so fine take... because we've got Julian, who is so well done as a character. Yeah, no, Julian and is the best really... Ken so far, yeah, I think. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think it's going to be difficult to beat him because he's just a really good character. And you get the impression that he's a little bit older as well, which is really fun, rather than them both being like 16 and not older in like a Romeo and Juliet way where he's still dumb. I mean like I feel like Annalise is like twenty and Julian's like twenty six or something. I dunno. Mm. I just really get that vibe and I like it. I really like it. Um so he takes her into the city for the first and last time, which is questionable. Um just to sort of see what the village is like before she's forced to marry King yeah. Dominic. And it's it's really lucky, isn't it? Because she's managed <laughs> to hide her identity by hiding behind a sort of headscarf while dressed as a princess. Yeah. Um, the fact that she came in on some fucking magic carriage, yeah. a bejeweled, encrusted carriage, pulls up at the curb, gets out, but no one's going to know it's her. Um, <laughs> you know, everyone else is apparently in... It, it's, it's all a bit... Um, Cool, blimey, governor, ain't poverty nasty, but we're getting on with it kind of thing going but on as well. But it's also, this is the thing. You're like, what is this kingdom? They are living in luxury. They're really worried because the gold mines are running out and they don't know what their economy is going to do. But they don't care. It's not the economy for the country. It just seems to be the economy for the palace because the village is typically shit. Like, it's people living in their own shit going from paycheck to paycheck, um, going to food banks, scraps off the street, probably rats everywhere. And there's such a divide, which is common in this sort of fairy tale-ish kingdom. And I keep saying fairy tale and it's not fairy tale, but you know what I mean, this sort mm. of fictional medieval kingdom. And it's often so the princess can be confronted with the poor and be like, oh no, we must do all we can to change this. That's not where this story goes. <laughs> Annalise no. doesn't give a shit. Um, but it's really funny to me how she walks into town and there's a real sense of like 
raise the guillotine, seize the means of production, like down with <laughs> the monarchy kind of vibe yeah. because it's so hard done by, but it doesn't really enter into the plot, even though when we do meet Erica, she's... Everyone's sort of aware of the royal family. They know their names and they know that they exist, but they it's almost like they're just expected to not expect anything from them. It's like, yes, they get to live in luxury because they're the monarchy chosen by God and, and we're the poor people and that's just how things are here. So, so and, and of course the Queen has this thing about all the gold. I, I don't understand what the Queen's been doing with this gold, right? Because no. she seems to have some maternal love for her people, genuine maternal love for the people and she's really upset and that's why she's going to sell her daughter to get more money. B- but how is this gold evidencing itself with these people, um, the suggestion I'm getting is, you know, that the the sound of the gold's run out. This poverty's suddenly taken over the city or the town or whatever it is. Um, but I don't get that because no. because Erica's story talks to a completely different world. Yeah, yeah. You know, where, where her parents are in poverty and they've had to basically sell her as a slave off to Madame Carp, mm. one of the weirdest named people ever. <laughs> yeah. um, um, so. Yeah, that's, it's kind of weird. Um, it's nice, though, that although I was taking the mick out of her, identity was hidden but by, but by a scarf. This, there's no photographs. They don't know what she looks like. And yeah. I think that is I think that is kind of nice. So maybe if they just parked a little bit further away, I would have... Um, I might and have she'd been have an... made more of an effort with her dress. Mm. Um, but then it's part, it, it, it does become part of the plot, so you can kind of forgive it for that. Because... I'm sure. She's wearing the exact same cloak as Erica, and we we hear Erica from afar singing a lovely song called "Written in Your Heart." And honestly, as I was listening to it, I was like, "Right, I'm gonna need me a credits version of this song, probably sung by Celine Dion, um, maybe someone else, but like, it's just calling out to me for like a credits version of this song in particular because it's the first sort of solo that we've come across for a girl." Um, I don't think I got it. Um, which no, is a shame. We, have a, we have a completely different song at the end. We have an original does, number, which is valid. It's valid, but it's not. Um, but it's not a musical. It's a. It's it's a more mm. traditional pop song, which is interesting. Which is okay because um, you know a lot of Disney's they would do the credits version of the in movie song, and then they would also have an yeah, original I, song I, on top I have, of that. I, I I have no problem with it. Obviously, I don't like musicals. Period. But um. <laughs> I, I know I know what you're saying. It would have been nice to have this, yeah, because like, this song is like, this song is um is um it's called back. There's, there's another version of it later, isn't there? Um, yeah. Uh, so, so there's, there's a callback. That's the word I'm after. There's a callback hmm. to it at the end. Um, it would have been nice if that was maybe. Just, I, I don't get the sense there's a theme to this film I, I, in terms of a music theme. Um, hmm. and it might have been nice if that's the one that we all remembered. You know. What's yeah. this film's Let It Go, you know? The, and yeah. I'm not so sure. I I guess it's this, but... Well, I don't know that it's this because it's quite short. It's just done as a sort of, hey, here's Erica. She wants to be a singer, but she's blah, 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 blah. So then Annalise and Erica bump into each other and they do that wonderful thing that they do in all these movies where, like, how would you react if you came face to face with your fucking doppelganger. Because what happens in the movies is that they all go, gosh, we look quite the same, don't we? 
Oh, how strange. So, so this, it would go one of two ways for me. One is, I might not notice. I know that sounds, <laughs> a, I yeah. know that sounds a funny thing to say, but would I really notice that someone looked like me? Mm. Um, because I know I see myself in the mirror most days. But even he gives me a surprise sometimes, the person that I see in the mirror. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know if we're programmed to... Acknowledge that, that. Yeah. You might see two people who look the same. So you two look the same. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. that. That's But that's a that's a kind of deep science-y question, isn't it? About <laughs> perception. I think it's valid. Um, the other thing would be, because I, I, I understand that seeing your doppelganger in German culture is a... Um, it's an indicator that you're about to die. So oh, the, 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 that's what a doppelganger <laughs> is. A doppelganger, seeing your doppelganger, um, is 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 an indicator that you're about to die. That's uh, ah. that, that's what the German word doppelganger means. Um, right. So I'd be thinking, oh my god, I'm going to die. Fuck, I wouldn't be going. Fuck. I wouldn't be going. Ah, oh yeah, <laughs> which is pretty much what these two did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is lovely because they've also got the same cloak, which actually makes sense because we learn that Erica works for the seamstress and makes all the clothes and the biggest buyer of these clothes are the royal palace um so she points out that Annalise is wearing a dress that she made and chances are they're wearing the same cloak because Annalise would have got it from the shop that Erica works in and it's and so small a detail can we just so take a moment as an adult yeah. for that kind of thing to be wrapped up because... Can we just take a moment and just yeah. applaud that? Because that's really yeah. strong writing. It's okay? brilliant. This is a fucking Barbie movie, yeah. and and there's a no lot of right. things I've you know I will spend the next this the last five episodes the next thirty episodes having a right old go about some of the things, but that is a really smart piece of writing that we haven't had to overthink and twist into mm-hmm. any kind of justification. It is. Because it's just there. It's a clever bit of it. doesn't need any exposition. It's yeah. just smart. Well done. Well, well done. Well done. Who, who wrote this film? Let's give them some credit. Um, uh, Beautiful. Uh, written by Cliff Ruby and Ilana Lesse. Less, 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 I don't know. Can't, don't, I don't, I don't have any more <laughs> clues than that. But, um, Ilana well Lesser, done. let's say. Lesser? And Cliff yeah. Ruby. Great names. Well done. Well done, well you. Well done. Well done. And just while we're here, shout out to Amy Powers, Megan Cavallari, and Rob Hudnut um, for the for the songs, for the original songs. Well done, you as well. Really well, well done. Well just raised. really good jobs all round. Um, love it. So then we get the bit that is the most well-known. This is the meme that I see everywhere. This is the shared screenshot from this movie. And we talked about Written in Your Heart being the theme because it's got the finale reprise version at the end. But this is the bit that everybody remembers from this movie. It seems as just someone who's casually on the internet looking at vague Barbie stuff. Um, They perform I Am A Girl Like You straight after Erica has genuinely turned to Annalise and said, I'm an indentured servant. Like, 
what? <laughs> Why? I think I paused the movie to be like, huh? Um, that's the kind yeah. of joke I make. You don't say indentured servant in a Barbie movie. That's not a term that you come across. <laughs> but they do, and fucking hats off to them. Introducing indentured servitude to a new generation of young people. Like, well fucking done for going there and showing that it's not good as well. Mummy, mummy, what's an indentured servant? <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of middle class women up and down the United States and Europe <laughs> uh, grit well, their teeth and prepare to explain Freud, uh, uh, prepare to explain Marx, Marxist theory to their young children <laughs> um, it's it's great like I really love it and, and maybe it's more problematic and I'm not thinking about it straight but to me I was just like fucking go Barbie like yeah like she is an indentured servant and that is a term that we should know about and we should know the horrific atrocities that happened with those words throughout history especially and still happen now I'm talking to you Nike now. Nike um, and Apple and Primark yeah yeah it's still a it's still a thing so well done 2004 Barbie movie like fucking hats off to you and then we get fucking we basically get a song about indentured servitude which I was like this is why this movie is beloved by all I'm seeing it now Um, because they sing I am a girl like you which I had some problems with when I first listened to it because I was like you know (laughs) Erica has just said I'm an indentured servant. I'm paying off the debts of my parents who sold me to Madame Carp to make dresses for her for the rest of my life. And Annalise is like, I feel you. I'm exactly the same. Sometimes I'll order eggs and have to eat them in my bed when really I just want to be in the library reading science books. And you're like, Annalise, that's not the same. (laughs) That's not. Phrase number two, false equivalency. (laughs) (laughs) But then they sing this song. And at heart, of course, thematically, they are similar in that they are yearning to be places that they're not. But I was like, Annalise, check your privilege. Like, come on. And the the irony is, of course, as we discussed at the beginning of this, is no, she is just like her because she is going to be sold. Yeah, of course. The other it's like bridge, Shrek. Yeah. In the Shrek she's... musical, they have a wonderful song about how Fiona and Shrek have things in common because when they were young, but their parents sent them away mm. um, and never wanted anything to do with them anymore. And they bond over that fact. And it's really lovely. Um, and yeah, like they're both being sold by their parents in this system for their parents' sake. Um, so they do have things in common that are quite dark and deep. Uh, but just the, yeah, just the, not just in this talk. song. <laughs> <laughs> just going about. I was like, Annalise, of course you can go to the library instead of eating eggs. You're a princess. Like no one's stopping you. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on. Um, but it's a lovely song. They have a great little dance number. We get to like see them strut about the streets for a bit, singing. I can't sing a bit because I've forgotten how it goes. But I enjoyed it. I uh, beyond Annalise checking her privilege. I thought it. I thought it was good. And they basically do a. Did we just become best friends? Um, in this song, which is fine because, and again, it, there's reasons for it because Annalise is like, I 
love your dresses. I think you're so talented. And Erica's like, you're fucking welcome, bitch. <laughs> you know, there's no like returning the compliment because there's that wonderful bit where she's like, Annalise, you have the same name as the princess. And I was like, oh no, are we going to be doing a thing for a bit? But no, no time to waste. We've got kidnappings to get on- going on with. So it's immediately, oh, you are the princess, <laughs> which I was so happy about. Um, none they, of this they, don't, they don't, yeah, they don't spend uh, two acts in in any kind of confusion with yeah. each other yeah, and, and they're not identical because Annalise has an on the nose birthmark <laughs> a given by the, god a given crown. by god crown birthmark i'm <laughs> surprised i'm surprised erica didn't have a poo emoji <laughs> birthmark <laughs> Or, like, I was expecting there to be some sort of... I don't know what I was expecting. Uh, I'm not as good a writer as the people that did Barbie's The Princess and the Pauper because I would have also given Erica a birthmark without really realising that, of course, we need some sort of distinction between the two other mm. than hair colour. Um, something that can't be so easily changed. And it is a major plot point, so it's plant and payoff as well. A lot of planting, a lot of payoff in this movie, which I'm a there big There really fan is. Of. The re- so compared to, compared to what we've been used to the last yeah. few, which have been fairly <sighs> direct narratives, yeah, mm. that, that that just follow on, follow on, follow on. There are seeds planted here. Yeah. I mean, I might I might not agree with everything with a with a sensible hat on, but there's 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 you foreshadowing. Tooth alone. There's Midas's tooth. There's the <laughs> there's the um the geode that breaks open in the. Yes. In, in the, the opening, mine when we first meet yeah. Nick and Knack. Um, there's the you know, the the whole thing with the with the outfits that we were just mm. been talking about. Um, and some it's of these well things pay off. Out. It is, it's well it's well written. Um, it's really well done. And 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 yeah, that's well we'll see at the end where we put this in the Barbie movies because we're barely we're barely a third of the way through the film. <laughs> yeah, there's just so much to say. It's so good. Mm. Um so again, really lovely. Um Annalise is like, Hey, I'll send for you. You should come sing at the palace sometime and Erica's like, Fuck me, that'd be amazing. Um, thank you. Like I really love Erica's character because she's not really you could argue that Annalise is a bit like uh similar Barbies that we've met before and just similar characters from media that we've met before. The sort of dose not docile, but very well behaved, polite, young princess that just longs for something more and has her little I want song. Um whereas Erica gets to break that mould a bit more and gets to be a bit more wild in that sense and she's really fun because of it, because she gets to act like a real human which you don't really get to see women do in movies especially for children where um you know she's she's given this opportunity to sing at the palace and she's literally like fuck yeah like this is gonna be amazing like i literally best cannot wait it's gonna be awesome ever yeah <laughs> um, best day ever but um and put a pin in that because we'll come back to that we return <laughs> to the palace and fucking Preminger begins our first kidnapping of the movie um, where he manages to capture Serafina and then use her as bait for Annalise and they just literally toss her in the back of a cart Mm. and take her to like a pub on the outskirts of town 
and keep her locked in a room. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. and you know, Nick and Knack, kidnappers, miners. His whole plan, his whole plan relies on a couple of morons. Oh, no, yeah. You'd have thought with all that gold, he could have bought in some help from elsewhere. Well, some like proper thugs instead of mm. like an idiot and his brother. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine. We get Annalise out the way, and 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 Julian, Julian super sus. Julian, um, just as a fun fact, is voiced by the same guy that does the English dub of Death Note. Uh, he, he's L in Death right. Note. Which is a real fun fact of mine whenever anyone plays L because um, Usopp in One Piece is voiced by L from the Japanese Death Note and L is just such a fun character that he's just so individual that it always makes me laugh when I think that the voice actors are able to do other stuff. I don't know why, but that was just a fun fact. Uh, Julian is L from Death Note. So that's really fun. So this is the, this is which Death Note though? Which? Like the the oh, anime. The, it's the yeah, it's the dub of the anime, and also he did the dub of the live action movie. Okay. Not the Netflix one, obviously. The yes, yes, one. yes. Which um, you know, we did a show about once, and hey. we didn't bring up that the voice was done by the same man from Barbie, <laughs> from who Barbie was Julian in Barbie, Prince of the Pauper. <laughs> How things tie together. Yeah. Opportunity lost. <laughs> you have to go back and edit it in. I will. I'll have to tell with tonight. I'll have to say, mate, we got to, we got to sort this out. We this is a key. That in, in 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 terms of the giant interconnected universe, we've missed <laughs> yeah. something. We really, really have. Um, yes. So then, her dress is gorgeous. It's so good. Um, so then, of course, we have to go and find Erica and. Um, we come Julian comes to get Erica thinking on his feet progressing the plot and he's like can't get a word in Edgeways because Erica's like oh my god you've come for me so I can go sing at the palace this is amazing this is all I've ever wanted oh my god what am I gonna wear and it's just so refreshing to see a female character do this like not let the man speak and misunderstand the situation through excitement and passion and eagerness and it was just really really fun to watch her go off on one like this and then for julian to be like no i need you to be the princess and she's like all right (laughs) all right (laughs) that doesn't sound as good as what i always wanted to do but that'll do and um to get around the hair problem we get introduced to a a beautiful wig which i thought was clever because i was like i don't want them to do a parent trap because you lose the distinction because that's Mm. kind of what they need to do whereas here you get to keep the distinction and just have a disguise um and we have a wonderful pygmalion-esque number sung by julian um to be a princess where he teaches Erica the ways of royal life. And we sort of get an insight into how tough Annalise has had it in the sense that there's a lot of rules and a lot of things you have to be when you're a princess and it's a bit restrictive. Um, And it's your classic, like put on these heels and try and walk in them and don't let the crown fall off your head kind of thing and i'm i'm always a huge fan of them whether it's anastasia uh, you can learn to do it which is a bop or even pocahontas 2 journey to a new world where they're like 
whitening Pocahontas to get her ready for the ball. And she's like, oh, well, tuck in your waist and put a wig on you, ready for the bear baiting. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. Pocahontas is bad enough and they managed to make it worse. Um, Pocahontas is, is, is the Disney so... movie with most troubling <laughs> so problematic on so many levels it's not, and... not saying it's not actually based on a true story but there's ways and means aren't there <laughs> well you know you read into the true story and all of a sudden you don't want it to be based on that story <laughs> like... mm, indeed indeed um but yeah so erica starts living in the palace and julian is trying to figure out what's happening they get the visit from king dominic's dad and (laughs) this suspiciously handsome page who accompanies him and it's not not the ambassador or is that somebody else um yeah just some sort of silent guard figure um, yeah. <laughs> the king who's very God. handsome and looks a lot like Julian <laughs> and you're like hmm <laughs> I wonder I wonder why this character is having attention drawn to why them why has where... he got so much screen time <laughs> can, can um, the artist only draw people that look like Julian <laughs> yeah. but you love it you love to see it and Erica comes in and she falls down because is this even my childhood if the main characters aren't clumsy TM? Um, mm. Which is awful because I was not a clumsy child. I'm not a clumsy person. Um, I'm actually, you know, dare I say it, quite graceful and spatially aware. Dexterous. Um, yeah, very opposite of that sort of gawky, ugly duckling-esque can't figure out how to walk between two tables without smacking into the corner vibe that all of these main characters give off in my childhood so i always thought i was missing i always thought i was like i was like snobby because i wasn't clumsy because those are your only two options and i i didn't try and force myself to be clumsy i was very happy that i was you know <laughs> you didn't, like, able chop to off not your big smack toe into so walls. you couldn't stand up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, I didn't force myself to do these things, but I was a bit like, oh, you know, I'm probably not as attractive as my peers because I don't smack into things. You know, those thoughts did run through my head because that's the effect that these films have on children. Everybody in a mate is looking for the clumsiest, least... yeah, the, 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 someone the, who's going to fall over and break their vulnerable. nose. vulnerable. Yeah, because you, you're looking, you know, it's, <laughs> I don't know. I don't that's know what not, it is. Because that's I, not I, how Darwinism works, I can guarantee you. No, exactly. It's like <laughs> they've tried to put out the patriarchy. Oh, just like, let me just, like, fucking get on my soapbox. From what I understand, the patriarchy insists on telling women that they're too fat and they're too, like, they need to spend all their money and they need to be placated and they need to be malnourished so they remain vulnerable so they can so the patriarchy can take advantages of them now this is a very extreme way to look at things um and and i wonder if clumsiness comes into that because if you're clumsy you're not thinking straight and you're constantly smacking into things and you're vulnerable and you need to be protected so it forces you into the entrapment of 
a male figure who can then pull the purse strings and look at, you know, help you on your way around life because you're too clumsy to be left alone by yourself. And I don't know, it just sort of, it could easily play into that sort of extreme trope, um, whatever we may think of that. But I was not clumsy. I was very confident. And that was a bad thing because then you become the femme fatale because if you're not the virgin, you're the femme fatale. See, so there's the just, only two things women could be. You've um. So what you've made me think of then is a moment in um, the Michael Caine version of Alfie, where uh, Gilda, the, the the girl, the first girl that he's with, um, she says something along. She, she's clumsy, or she's hurt, or she keeps apologising for being clumsy, and and mm-hmm. and he says something very much along those lines that yeah, that's right, love, I'm here to protect you. Um, not that I'm sticking up for this whole patriarchy thing, but. Yes, I, I, my mind is immediately drawn to a moment which was meant to critique that and not meant to be taken seriously, of course. You are mm-hmm. not meant to take Alfie seriously. It is very critical yeah. of the lead character. but Isn't a lot he of meant people... to be a shit? He is an utter... Yeah. And you might have to beep that out. And I'm all right <laughs> if you do, but that's the point. A lot of people don't view it like that. But yes, he uses that, you know, he is protecting this, this, this girl... He thinks he's protecting her, really. He's holding mm. her back and stopping her doing anything with yeah. her life because he's a dick. But, um, yes, anyway, sorry, that's an Alfie to Yeah, sorry, that was Barbie. a tangent. Yeah. I, I know we're trying to keep these episodes to, like, 40 minutes, but we, we're they, breaking down a whole movie. That takes time. So, like, I'm really sorry if they're, like, two hours. It's not going to happen on this one, for sure. I've got a feeling later episodes might be 10 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, well, we're just, like... <laughs> but, um, I think... Yeah, this I think this one deserves it because there's there's a yeah. lot packed in. Definitely, um, it's it's good. It's it's so good. I cannot stress that enough. I mean, um, it's no Logan's Run, but you know, <laughs> 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 it has less problems than Logan's Run, like less plot holes than Logan's Run. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, so it, my notes get quite thin here because I just really fucking loved the movie, so I kind of can't remember what happened. Um, so Erica's like chilling in the palace and Dominic goes to explain to her that he'd disguised himself uh, because he didn't want to marry a stranger either. Now, (laughs) seeing someone for five minutes and not talking to them (laughs) is not the same as introducing yourself before your arranged marriage, but I could see where he was coming from and it was a nice thought, even if it wasn't... Um, how you perhaps would do it today, where you would let them get to know each other, and and you know we're ra- we're ramping up to that sort of. We we still have to keep to this children's runtime, so we can't go too crazy when we've got like nine different plots happening. Um, do you know, do you know he... I'd have really liked though if Dominic had been gay and said, "Look, I don't want to get married either," yes. and that's why he that's why he's so because he's really capable and overly capable actually and he's overly nice and he's very sharp wouldn't it be lovely if he was um yeah like like there was some reason he couldn't be with her he was Mm. unlikely to be gay as we've talked about before but he Mm. could maybe like someone else be betrothed to another which is kind of where they go with it but you know Mm. if he'd had somebody back in his own kingdom that he really wanted to be with um there's a a film i watched only the other day which had very much the same idea in where two people didn't get together 
And actually, the one that she was sort of betrothed to said, look, I've actually got a girlfriend somewhere else. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just doing this because my parents... After. Oh, it's, what There's was a the really film? wonderful moment in Ever After where the prince is being betrothed to the princess of Spain and her lover is in the audience weeping and she is like bawling. It's like a really, it's played for laughs. And halfway through the wedding, he's just like, for fuck's sake, like, this is ridiculous. Like, go and be with your love. I'm not going to marry you. Like, fuck off and go and be with your lover. And she's well, like, yes! It also happens so in, the, in the second season finale of Harley Quinn, where Kite Man tells Poison Ivy he knows that she's not really going to marry him, go off and be with Harley. Yes! He does yes. the same thing. Um, so good. But that, that's, that's, that's what I was kind of hoping out of just a little bit more um because he is too as 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 mary sue as julian is a bit dominic's a little too nice and just be nice if there was there was something about him that stopped him being so perfect yeah perfect because he's very understanding as well he goes to sort of confess to erica but can overhear her her door which is not locked while she's in the bath but that's fine. I'll let it go because he listens in to her singing. Um, because she's she's already sung the cat's meow. She's singing the cat's meow, which she starts in this oh. bubble bath, which looks awesome. Um, and she's just a very, singing a very modern, wolfie. a very modern bath as well. You know, like from a <laughs> flake advert or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's it's sort of herbal essences vibes a little bit, mm. but um. She's singing to Wolfie because, oh, because Wolfie's trying to meow and he can't meow. He can only bark and it's so cute. He's like, mm, mm, mm. she's like, oh, are you trying to meow? And he's like, woof. Mm, and I was like, oh my God, my heart. I can't take it. I cannot. Um, I, yeah, love it so much um and he overhears her singing to her cat and she's basically just like you are a perfect cat i love you regardless of your quirks you're amazing and i was like this is such a good song this is such a good bit of character and it's really lovely because it really sums up it's the type of thing that i wish would happen in real life sometimes you know when people overhear people say things in movies where they're like I really do truly care for them and I just wish they knew how I felt but don't ever tell them I said that and they've overheard that so you've not had to have that conversation with them and they just like know it now. Um, it's sort of like that where Dominic can listen in and be like, cool, she's a decent person. I'm on board with that. That's okay. Let's go forward with this. Um, it would make life so much easier if that happened more often. Uh, what well, if we if we all had, we could all hear other people's conversations about us. Yeah, yeah, if they're I, good, I don't want to yeah, hear bad gonna, conversations. I was going to say, I think, I think, I think there's a, um, I think there's that, that that's a, that's literally a double-edged sword. I, yeah. And I wonder, would the benefits of this be outweighed by the shit that would go down because <laughs> yeah. of that? And I'd suggest not. I'd say it's a two percent, ninety-eight percent balance. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't want to hear anything bad. None of that, just the good stuff. Rather than the what you usually get, which is the like Shakespearean Shrek vibes, where you hear half a conversation and you make oh, your mind yes. up about the rest of it. Lazy, lazy writing. Um, but yeah, so we get to know Dominic over a song. Um, 
he, uh, he, am I getting things mixed up? Do we have, well, has Martin I... Short changed his plan by now? I can't remember. Where's Annalise? She's still, she's, so she's Because Annalise gets away, thing. doesn't she? She does, because Serafina comes to help her, mm. um, which is so wonderful. Like, Serafina is such a fun character because she's, she makes friends with this French horse who's like hanging outside oh, the pub. Yeah. I, I keep saying it's a pub. I think it's a pub. Um, so so there's, there's this horse. Of course, and, he, the, it, and she, it's, a, it's a cart horse, isn't it? Yeah, that belongs to Pre- Preminger. Um, yeah. And she like vaults herself onto the roof and comes down the chimney. And she's very prim and proper. And she steps out of this soot filled grate into the room. And Annalise is like, Serafina, is that you? And Serafina's just like, I'm just not going to look at myself. And I just thought it was really lovely because she's just like, nope, I did this for my darling mistress, but good God, I hate myself. This is awful. I really loved it. Um, so good. And then wonderful, wonderful considering she's a woman of science we're to, led to believe she um <laughs> goes down the supernatural route where annalise gets seraphina to pretend to be a ghost and uh gets nick and knack to come in who are then instantly scared uh they throw the sheet on them and escape she escapes of her own accord with no help from anybody else apart from the cat. she escapes apart from seraphina um, yeah but like two women Passing oh, the Bechdel ab- test. No, ab- 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 I mean, escaping on their own. Two anything's could have beaten Nick and Knack. Again, I'm, 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 had some shitty plans, but basing it on those two is just like yeah. what? It's like uh. dumb. It's like he wanted to fail. But yes, um, but but so now, but then Premager finds out that she's escaped. Yes. So again, in this genius bit of dense plotting, he now knows for sure. That, that Erica, that Erica not... can't be. Well, he knows already because he knows that Erica can't be because he knows he's kidnapped her. But now he hasn't kidnapped yeah. her. It's, the whole thing's in a fucking knife edge because there's Annalise and Erica, and he knows where one of them is and where one of them. But he doesn't know where the other one is. The whole thing could yeah. blow up at any moment. Fair play, Bremager. You know, he decides to yeah. up it. Yeah. Out, out this one. Deal with the other one if it turns up. Yep. Go for the queen. Yeah. I think that's pretty much how his plan worked. It's smart. It's a great twist <laughs> in Act Three. It's um, it it, you know the we 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 forgot to mention that um again just very home alone of them. Julian stole the queen's glasses, so she's never quite truly seeing Erica as Annalise. Be- which yes. takes away any worry that we're like, surely a mother would recognise her own daughter. Again, no, because her glasses s- have been stolen. Smart bit of writing. Just so well thought out. Like they, and this could have so easily been done lazily and thoughtlessly because it's it's such a dense story in that so much could go wrong. It's it's like why Ever After is so good because it's a Cinderella story that constantly is thinking of the consequences and the realities of things. Um. And that's what you've got to have. So it's just so good. And Annalise ends up at Erica's store. And the the woman in charge, Miss Carp, is like, shut up, Erica. Get to work or whatever. Um, which is the one bit that I'm like, 
uh, I'll buy it. Like, you know, if someone turned around and was like, I am the Princess Annalise, how dare you speak to me like that? And she's convinced that it's Erica suddenly being uppity. But I'm like, wouldn't even a little bit of you be like, shit, what if it is the princess? I don't know. Well, And it's because no, she's dumb uh, and villainous, but... Yeah. It's a, it was the one the, bit the, that had to be and, like, and, and it is predicated like. that Madame Carper's never been to the palace to meet the princess, which yes. I think is unlikely, because obviously the princess buys all her clothes from mm. Madame Carp. So, yeah. That, but again, that... that that I, I could have done without Madame Carp, period, as a character. Didn't mm. it? Don't, you know, I, I, I don't mind... I'm about to say I don't mind Erica being an indentured servant. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind that as a plot point. I don't need to know her tormentor. And bringing her tormentor into both worlds gives no value. Mm. Other characters like Julian being in both worlds... Julian being in both worlds is enough for me because then that means mm. he can make the, he can make the plot work. Yeah. Sure. Um, the, fact, the fact that nobody else would have seen the pair of them before is a bit like, mm, really? Yeah. And Mrs. Carp's only there so she can, like, lock the door. Mm. Um, so Annalise is trapped again. Um, which is fine. Because otherwise it's too easy. Indeed. So she sends Serafina off with her ring to try and get someone's attention to know that where she is. Um, while she's doing this, Erica and Dominic are singing a beautiful love song. Um, if you love me for me, which is great, and it's just very quick. Um, we're in love now, I guess. So that's that. And again, it's fine. Like I don't mind it at all. We knew that this was where we were going, and I'm happy for them. They're cute. It's all good. Um. So and Dominic has a really lovely singing voice, like a really lovely singing voice. Um, and I think he's a good distinction from Julian because we say they're both Ken, but similarly to the fact that Erica and Annalise are both Barbie, they're both distinct. And it's because mm. Julian has like more character than Dominic. But this little character that Dominic does have is different and distinct. And I guess, again, he's the sort of Annalise of this relationship because he's been brought up in the palace with the etiquette and all of these things. And he's more restrained. And so it all works out. It's all very clever. Um, it's all really thoughtful. So, yeah, Preminger finds Annalise in the shop and is like, I'm going to marry your mum now. Fuck you. That's bad. You. You, you know, you had your chance, but you had to go and get a um, double involved. I'm after yeah. your mother. So then he comes out and he exposes Erica um, by the birthmark payoff. Yep. Um, and it's really heartbreaking, actually, because you've gotten invested in this relationship with Dominic and you're like, shit, this is fuck. You've got invested in the mum's relationship and the mum thinks Annalise is dead because Preminger brings her ring and it's like there was a mining accident and Annalise is dead um, along with Julian because he's trapped them both in the mine and instead of just doing that and actually killing them he's like just wait here and I'll go pretend you're dead which is very nice <laughs> of him um, <coughs> but yeah the queen thinks her only daughter is dead and this woman that she's been hanging out with for, for like a day is is an imposter 
and it's it's really emotional and you really do feel for these characters which is quite a feat um and you feel really bad about dominic and again to her credit erica tries to get it out she's like please let me rather than saying let me explain i wish these characters in these situations got to the point quicker like Mm. i would be i would not be with the niceties i'd be like right so i was told that annalise was kidnapped by him so then i needed to come in and be annalise until we found annalise clearly they found annalise and so i that's why i'm here and yeah just find annalise she's still alive like that's what i would do Rather than be like, please, let me explain. It's not what you think. Oh, just listen to me. Which she does a bit of. And then she's like, I was here to try and save Annalise. I would never hurt the princess. I was trying to save Annalise from him. Which was good enough for me. Because so often they get taken out without having spat out any of the plot. Um, But she manages to get a couple of lines out. Which then causes suspicion amongst like Dominic and... Well, Dominic, Dominic doesn't believe a word her. of it, does he? He, he, he? he doesn't believe a word of what's going on with Premager. He's obviously, mm. you know, you can, a, a man of breeding can tell where breeding is lacking <laughs> in one of his rivals. And he can probably tell by um, <laughs> just being up a class that Premager's a bad sort. And uh, and therefore... Power is this, something you're born with, as Azula would say. Uh, we just, you know, know. This little, this little um, chimney sweep of a girl. Uh, mm. Pygmalion style. There's more to her story. Let's go and find out. Yes, good for him. Um, and so Preminger is like yo 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 yo, uh, which is a <laughs> quote from Scooby Doo 2002 live action movie. Um, and he's like, I'm gonna marry you because the mines are empty. And she's like, I know, and it sucks. And he's like, and I am not empty. I'm actually quite rich. And she's like, I believe you. <laughs> like, okay. Um, and he's like, so marry me. And she's like, I guess so. And you're like, fuck, that was easy. <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he's as rich as a nation state. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, 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 and the thing is, I think he'd had a chance of marrying her anyway. Because do you remember at the very mm. beginning of the film, the Queen is quite oh if only my um if only my trusted advisor Preminger is here. Yeah. I reckon he, I reckon that every chance of becoming Prince Regent without any of the fucking yeah. kidnapping. I, I had a sense she had a she quite liked his um Martin Short like ways. Um, yeah, if he'd have just like sucked it up and been a bit more romantic, candlelight dinners instead of kidnappings. Maybe none of this needed to happen. I mean, he still probably needed to steal all the gold to get us into this position, but I think True. he could have seduced her. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, but because no know. one, no, 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 Preminger is is a wrong one. <laughs> yeah, he's just too evil for that kind of thing. Um. So instead, oh yeah, so Erica escapes again. No help from anyone. She steals the keys from the sleeping guard she using sings, her she singing sings. talent. She can send uh, people to sleep with her voice. She's like a fucking which, X-Man. You know what, though? <laughs> like, I always talk about how I hate the trope of when women, like, blow a kiss at a man and he turns red and passes out. And very close to that is the trope of the woman being like... Go to sleep, adult man. My voice is so enchanting, you can't help it, kind of thing. 
Um, and it's so close oh, to that sorry, kissing trope. Oh, sorry, I fell asleep. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's so close to that kissing trope. And yet it's so stupidly innocent that I'm like, I'll, whatever, I love it. I, I don't love it, but like, I'll take it. Um, and, and because her whole thing is that she wants to be a singer, um, it was fine because I was like, it yeah, ties she's in. A, she's she's an X-Man. She's an X-Man. Yeah. <laughs> it's her mutant power. There is, a, there is an X, there's a character in the Marvel Universe called Lorelei. Who, whose mutant power is singing and be able to um, affect oh, men's so... beha- men's Ooh. behaviors by the way just she men's behavior because she's based on the sirens of Greek myth. Right. Okay. okay. Um, but yeah, she would be able to do this, and she'd also be able to drive you to madness and things like that as well. But uh, mm. yes, there you go. Deep That's deep awesome. dive Marvel comic stuff for you there. <laughs> um, yeah, and maybe if Erica works really hard, she can be like Black Canary from DC. Oh, indeed, um... and just just shake the place. <laughs> Boom, boom, boom! Shake the room. There you go. That's a, um, I think I think that's two Will Smiths in a in two episodes. <laughs> but yeah, she 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 sends this guard off to sleep and she steals the fucking keys and and escapes because these women don't need no man. They choose to have a man. They don't need them. They want them, which is you know really good for two thousand four for children for Barbie, um, and she bumps into this guard who. <laughs> I love it. I love this trope as well, where it's like, get off me, get off me. And you're like, they are clearly your love interest. Like, come on, you're meant to be in love with this person. No one else wears their helmet like that. Like, why is this person so sus? It's because it's your love interest. Come it is, on. It is I, uh, the, the perfect Prince Dominic, um, potentially yeah. homosexual love interest um, for you, because I didn't believe a word that premature bad sort said, so I came down disguised as a uh, as a guard to come and find guard. out. And she's Which... like, wow, you really love this disguising thing, don't you? Like, okay. <laughs> I'm going for my own show, the Dominic, <laughs> Dominic super spy, but it doesn't play out, unfortunately. Papa won't let me be a super spy. <laughs> I've got my duties to my kingdom. Um, yeah, I'm really so good really at archery. Good. Oh, no, that was the other one. It's all culminating <laughs> at this wedding where Preminger and the queen are walking down the aisle and all of the townsfolk are like kind of okay with it they don't really know what's going on so um they annalise turns up and she's like stop the wedding and then erica turns up with dominic and julian's there and we're all there and it's just they drag it out and it's beautifully done it's like, Queen, do you take Preminger to be your lawfully wedded husband? And she's like, I, and nothing happens. I, and nothing happens. I, nothing happens. And just as she goes, do, Annalise is like, I'm here. And you're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so dramatic. I love it. Um, so good. So everybody turns up and they're like, what the fuck, dude? And then in another wonderful plant and payoff, Martin Short gets on the horse who has been helping our main characters throughout every time they've gotten to that rotten pub to be kidnapped in. And um, they, he storms off on the horse and the horse has a change of heart halfway through where he's like, you know what? Fuck you, Preminger. And he turns around and he takes him back to the kingdom, which I've never seen before as a thing. And I really liked it. 
because if you're going to introduce animals that have thought and can talk, what a wonderful way to use it as like a Mm. weapon against the villain. Um, So good. Yeah, we haven't really talked about the horse. I mean, no. my, 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 not that much, because um, he gets a few lines. And my, my problem with it is, is that he's, he's, um, well, what I would call a shire horse or a cart horse. And mm. he'd be absolutely shit at galloping away because he's <laughs> a big, heavy horse designed for pulling carts. Um, mm-hmm. He's not a, he's not a racehorse or anything like that. So really, that would be like getting away in Mr. Bean's car or, the, or something like that <laughs> it wouldn't take much for anyone to catch him but it's mm-hmm. kind of but it is kind of nice that that exposure to Serafina and um Annalise earlier on has obviously played on the uh is the horse called Herve or something like that it's funny yeah because uh, um, he's uh, French for some reason for, for no reason for but no then reason. again well, just just so he's not a just so he's because he's not a gangster from Little Italy. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't know. He's not even played by a Frenchman. I don't. None of that. None of that makes sense. Oh, he's. <gasps> oh my God. What? Herve is played by a guy called Gary Chalk, who uh-huh. was the voice of Optimus Primal, and I say Primal. <laughs> In Beast Wars and Beast Machines, which is like one oh of my, my like one of the worst early CGI cartoons, but is amazing. Oh. The the writing on those shows is amazing, and he's Optimus Prime from from, from various other modern Transformer animes. So he's not no the way. he's not the famous Optimus Prime voice, but he is to the fans of the Beast of Beast Wars, and there will be many. Maybe not listen to this show. But yeah, it's one of the greatest CGI cartoons let down only by the state of CGI at the time. But the writing is phenomenal. And yeah, and he's Optimus Primal. Ah. So, so yeah. Anyway, but Herve, yes. Sorry. Herve, so again, no idea why he's speaking French or why he is French. But yes, it is nice that he he has that change of heart. I mean, it was a pointless getaway. Um mm. Because it would have been easily resolved. Dominic, I'm sure, has got a thoroughbred that would chase it down. Um, yeah. But it's um, and it's all over pretty quickly. It doesn't go on and on. Yeah, it it is, which is good because they sort of bring Preminger back and throw him on the table. Midas loses his tooth finally in a in a battle against yeah. Seraphina, and um, yeah, just everyone gets their sort of comeuppance quite quickly. Uh, I can't really remember what happens to Preminger. Is he just sort of thrown in jail? Well, it's kind of forgotten about, right? Because they worry they they tie up everybody else's story instead. Hmm. Um, the thing that bugged me most of all, and I don't, I, I don't know if we're at that point yet, but he's still got all the gold. Yeah, the, he's. The, he, there's no the, sort what, of reveal of like here's all the gold, return it to the people, fund the NHS, like Yeah, three hundred and fifty dollars a day. Um he because yeah, Annalise showing she may know about science, she doesn't know about economics, decides to refactor the whole economy on effectively shiny glassy rocks geodes yes. um, which aren't worth anything but all the gold is still there so they, they basically mm. leave the gold standard in what's obviously a um, you know a critical examination of FDR's decision post-war to uh, not base the dollar on the gold standard <laughs> I don't know <laughs> but, but the base, the base it on shiny purple rocks that aren't even amethyst which... they're just 
weird. Shiny purple rocks, yeah. Mm. Um, so I don't quite know where that came from, unless they've got special powers or something. Mm. Uh, but 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 uh, what was bugging me was there is a mine full of gold, which clearly would have run out fairly soon anyway if Nick and Nack have managed to mm. get rid of it. But nothing ever comes of it. Premature. I don't. I don't remember seeing Premature. He gets arrested. Mm. But I don't remember. It's you know, there's nothing dark like it's being turned into a cuckoo clock, no, or anything like that. No, it's there's far no more. Sort the, of... the far the, the the movie said crap. We got 15 minutes left. Um, we've got to uh, we've got to give all these these people these characters we've introduced some happy endings, except for Mrs. Carp. We're going to shut yeah, her down. Carp goes out of business because the royal family no longer want her business because of the way she was treating her seamstresses. Which, like, look around your kingdom, Annalise. Like, this is how everything's run. It's not just mm. Madame Carp. Um, but yeah, everyone has to get their happy ending. So Annalise and Julian, Julian are like together, and they're gonna. She's like, Mother, I'm going to marry Julian. And everything's going to be run on purple crystal from now on. Um, in a fucking fantastic twist, in my opinion. Again, like, I wasn't ready for Frozen. I wasn't ready for this. They kept teasing me with it. And I was like, eh, it won't happen. Let's be honest. Look at where we are. Erica goes on tour as a singer for an entire year. She mm-hmm. does the whole world. And I was like, fuck yes. And then, and only then, can she be like, you know what? I'm a check in how Dominic's doing. And it's been a year because she's done the whole world, possibly even more than a year. And they have a double wedding, which indicates that Julian and Annalise, like, didn't immediately get married as well. Because they took the time to wait to have a lovely, gentleman prefer blondes type double wedding. Where they're like basically wearing the same dress but in their colour codes. And it's really gorgeous. And both kingdoms were marry commoners into the fold in a yeah. very you know, whew, took took to come took the British monarchy mon- British monarchy until until a couple of years ago to really do that. First yeah. time first time someone tried, he had to abdicate. Um now we get get a twofer here. I do hope the, the press of the unnamed um a feudal country are a bit nicer to commoners than yes. our British press. But not um, digging up dirt on Erica's past and having interviews with her family and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. But who's to say? Um, and we see the Kelly Shelley character here for pretty much the first time because she's been quite notably absent from the tale, which had been quite nice. Dare I say it? To not have a forced child character. Then the two of them, they're like on laudanum or something, aren't they? They've got this weird, creepy, sleepwalky, smiley (laughs) face as they go through. They're Ah. like, I'd love to see Barbie does Village of the Damned. That's what it would be like. Or the Children Um, of the Corn. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But yes, that is the only sop to that. You know, mm. and if you remember in the pre, well, you obviously do remember it wasn't that long ago, but you know, they they they've been a key part to the narrative structure. They've been a key part to the stories. You know, these mm. these creepy little Kelly Shelley children, um, and mm. yeah, they're there just to remind us we're still in a Barbie universe. 
but um but they're not massively there which had been so oh, nice because we'd got to focus miss, blink, on all these other adult characters blink and, and you take it. time out Mm. To be like, I have child problems. Shut up, Kelly. No one cares. Yeah. Um, honestly, dude, I cried. I cried at the end of this movie. I thought it was great. I was really happy. The music was beautiful. And I cried at the wedding. I didn't cry. All right. But I I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. And I hate musicals, right? But I did not mm. find this was a musical where the musical was at odds with the storytelling. Sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes in musicals, I struggle with it because I can't understand what they're singing. And therefore, yeah, I feel true. like I'm missing a lot of the plot or, yeah. or a lot of the exposition. Or some musicals I really love, two songs, and hate the rest. Mm, and yeah. therefore, only like, like The King and I. That's a musical. <laughs> There's a couple of songs in that I really love. The rest of it, I don't give a monkey's about. And yeah. actually, and, and uh, South Pacific's another one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I can listen to Happy Talk, and I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair all day. The rest of it, can't remember. And it goes on for nearly three hours. So I'm glad yeah. it wasn't one of those musicals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're just they're just snippets of of songs, really. Mm-hmm. And I thought the first one was quite spectacularly done, where we're seeing both mm. their lives together. Um, yeah. You know, yes, of course, I'm ripping it for various things, but I'd rip every film for some of these things. Mm-hmm. I genuinely think, though, there's some brilliant bits of foreshadowing and just little things in the script that pay off later. It feels like there's been revisions of this script. It feels like they've thought yeah, about it. Um, definitely. I do People think the animation isn't quite as good as it has been. I think I in think places, in places, I agree. Yeah, the an- possibly I don't think because the- they're stretching it across a longer runtime. Mm. Um, well, I don't think the animals, especially especially Midas, I think yeah. really suffers visually um, when it, when it's talking and stuff like that. It's just the mouth mm-hmm. isn't quite right, and and they can't do the curly hair. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just it's not it's not quite right. I think Seraphina's face is a bit flat. I think there's just some. Uh, but on the other hand, there was that beautiful, there's that beautiful painted artwork at the beginning where they're yeah. where they're in exposition mode, um, and I did I didn't I thought Swan Lake was going to be as good as it got. Mm. Yeah, I thought Swan Lake had had you know it 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 sort of had a story sort of based on on the source material, went some other places with it, had some great performances, um, had some stuff to take the piss out of, sold a few, could sell a few toys. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not entirely sure this one's as successful at toy selling as some of the others. Mate, um, I want me. I want an Annalise. I want an Erica. I want a Julian. I want a Dominic. I want a Queen. I want a Preminger. I want the cats. I want the dog. I want the kingdom. I want the village. I, think, I want, like, all I of the dresses. You want the like, board game, the Game Boy Advance oh game, God, the whole the thing. Like, I really love it, and I can see why this one is so beloved by people. Yeah, um, I think I think is the best brilliant. villain. Definitely, I think Gothel like, has Kelsey that. Grammar and... did such a good job. Oh, indeed, and and in and, Swan and, Lake. and Angelica Houston's Gothel was oh, a kind of God, interesting, layered so background. Great. Tim Rice, you know, you'd pay, you know, we've we've mm, been really Tim lucky. Curry. Tim Rice is a completely different person. <laughs> yeah. Tim Rice wrote a musical within the mu- within the musical. <laughs> he, wrote, he wrote another musical about cricket. Um, but no, and I, 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 I think Premager yeah. is you know we, we, again we're taking the Mick out of his plans. 
But his plan's but better it, than Gothel's. But he Gothel's. has solid plans. His plan is a lot better than Gothel's. Yeah. yeah. Which, which we didn't really grasp. His plan is a lot better than um, Kelsey Grammer's character. Which, mm. again, didn't really understand what he was trying really to do. Get, yeah, um, clear motivations, clear development, good love stories, great comic side characters in the animals. Just so, so solid. And as the credits started to roll I thought what a brilliant movie that was I can really see where the love comes from and I was about to turn it off and Mm. just give it five out of five and then it gave me bloopers yeah that's one of the Shrek do the Shrek films do this is it the Shrek films that do this oh please Pixar started it with a bug's life that's right. That's right. Um, um, and they so, did so, it for a few. Toy Story two, um, and then they stopped after a while. Yeah, and, I mean, I... and oh, I thought I'd never see them again. I thought I thought we'd reached the end of animated bloopers because there's no such thing as an animated blooper. You have to animate the bloopers there and are... voice them. I mean, there and... are in um, there are, in CGI you can where you can have something that renders incorrectly, but actually, the these are like more like. These are like the cast have yeah. outtakes. Um, and they're oh brilliant. my god! And they're brilliant. These are brilliant. Like <laughs> oh when 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 Wolfie falls in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> And like, because at first I didn't know what was going on because they had this like stunt cat and they were practicing her, the French horse, yeeting Serafina onto the the thing and they like keep fucking it up and Serafina's like, can somebody get my agent on the phone please? And I was like, that's amazing. I'd have been happy with that. And then we got another one of Wolfie falling in the bath during the cat's meow and I was like, oh my God, yes. We kept cutting to Preminger talking to himself in the mirror, which like they didn't go too far with it they didn't make it too obvious i was really worried about that one but it was just consistent and strong mm. um oh my god the final one where <laughs> in the middle of the like how to be a princess song <laughs> julian starts like break dancing or whatever. <laughs> he was just yes. inspired i was like how i don't deserve this like, thank you, Barbie as the princess and the pauper. You've gone above and beyond. You've gone 110%. I was perfectly satisfied. And now you're giving me this. This is amazing. Where are your awards? Where's your Oscar? Like, come on. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. How wonderful. A joy to behold. And then we got a fucking credit song that was beautiful and amazing mm. and original and sung by Sarah Nimietz. I don't know how to pronounce your name. I'm so sorry, but like, it was so good. It's called I'm On My Way. And I did listen to it a couple times. Oh, this movie, man. It's, it was a real surprise. Because mm. I was, you know, I, I'd, I, you know, I'd done my reading up before it. Um, about you know how how it was really popular and it, it, it's got a fandom all of its own, um, and I thought that was reserved for Twelve Dancing Princesses, mm-hmm. which I believe is also I I haven't seen I know you obviously I've you, seen you, that one yeah you've not only seen it you've podcasted about it it's going to be an interesting show for us mm. um, <laughs> where you're going to have to revisit it, um, but I I wasn't aware that this was one because this was not one so my kids 
by this time, 2000 and... Four. Oh, uh, I'm surprised my kids aren't. We hadn't. We didn't get. We didn't have this one, so I had never seen this one before. Probably because it's a musical. Mm-hmm. I probably stopped them having it because I'm that kind of killjoy dad. <laughs> if it admits it's a feature-length musical, out of my fucking house, go. No, it it it's. I don't know, but it was absolute joy. And I honestly thought last week or last episode when I said, "Oh, Swan Lake's the best," I thought that was going to be it. I don't think anything was going to top Swan Lake. Yeah. Well, you know, well done, new director. Um, yeah, coming strong. Name? Yeah, I don't know if he does any more, but yes. Um, William Lau. I think he does several more, actually. Nice. Um, yeah, I think, I think, I don't think the animation's as good, but the story, the writing, um, you're right, there's the whole, the, 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 the aspects of feminism in here, you know, the bestial mm-hmm. test it passes, the the jokes land um yeah i might not agree with the dog that talks like a gangster but it is fucking funny it is funny yeah and again if i was an eight-year-old girl i'd think this is the best thing ever um so yeah let's let's talk leaderboards oh my god i mean it goes straight to number one and i i'm gonna say it i think it's gonna stay there I honestly do. I cannot oh. see how they're ever going to top it in terms of storytelling, character, songs, costumes, outfits, how much I want the doll. Like, they can't top it. Surely. Surely this is... Surely we've peaked, which feels like a quite upsetting thing to say, seeing as we have about 37 more movies to get through. Um, but I just cannot... With Just looking at the titles, I can't see how... Mermaidia would uh, make me as happy as a literary adaptation with two female main characters. And maybe and, I'm wrong. Maybe Mermaidia will be my new favourite. But and right we now, also, and also we do know that this was so successful that they remake it later on, at least yes. once. And um, with the, with Barbie, the pop star and the princess, isn't it? Where they sort of mm, modernise it a bit. Pop star, that, yeah. Um. So. Yeah, but yeah, n- number one was a bullet for me. And like you, I can't see how this um, how this is going to be topped. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, let's be fair. These first four movies, mm-hmm. Nutcracker, Rapunzel, Swan Lake, Princess and the Pauper, uh, they've been way better than either of us really expected, right? So much better. I really thought that especially when starting out, you could have made these an easy cash grab and you didn't have to care. But somebody did care and a lot of care went in. Now, whether that theory will remain and the care will remain um, is to be seen. Uh, I know we've got 12 Dancing Princesses coming up, which I'm excited for you to see because I've already seen it. Um, But before then, we've got a few off-the-wall ones. We had no unicorns or fairies or mermaids in this story, and we've got all of those things coming up. We've got Fairytopia, Magic of Pegasus, Mermaidia, um, that sort of thing on the horizon. So it'll be interesting to go back to that sort of magic, which I didn't miss because it was so solid, a a movie that I didn't need glittery fairies to get me through it. Um, 
so Barbie is the princess and the pauper is at number one with Barbie of Swan Lake coming in at number two and Barbie is Rapunzel at number three. Um, let's see if Barbie Fairytopia is going to work its way into the top three, if it's going to override those solid, the solid trilogy and the standalone success of The Princess and the Pauper. Um, I'm excited. Oh. I know I said I was. I keep saying that I'm excited, but I just am excited. That's why I'm doing this podcast because I'm just constantly <laughs> excited. Um, I was so I'm excited just, to watch I'm, The Princess and the Pauper. I'm just a little concerned. There's going to be a point where we're going to disagree. I think so far we've been fairly in sync. Mm-hmm. You know, each one has improved over the next. Yeah. So, you know, and. and and not necessarily significantly, but there's certainly been a step change. Um, yeah, there's going to be a point where we're going to fight over one of these things. I don't know what we're <laughs> going to do then, but yes, at the moment it's easy. We just keep yeah. putting a new one on the top. <laughs> it's like a game of Jenga and a very safe yeah. game at that. Yeah, so um, exciting stuff to come. Tell us your thoughts if you're listening. Send them in. Uh, to the why this film podcast at gmail.com comment on our instagram twitter facebook um get involved An- get in the anchor voicemail anchor voicemail be part Ooh, of the show Ooh, yeah whatever that is tell tell what's that oh so if you listen to the show on anchor which you might be because that's how we, that's our platform um you can uh, on the website you can leave a voicemail and we can use that and we can put it in the show yes do it do it. Come, come, come be part of our podcast nation. Yeah. Give us your but... opinions. Give us your thoughts. Send me your pictures if you've cosplayed or if you've got the dolls. Um, Maybe not if they're like covered in biro with their hair cut off. But they don't have to be perfect. I just want to see them. <laughs> but yeah, please. And tell us what your favourite Barbie film is. Yes. Especially if you're disagreeing with us, I think. Let's see some different opinions. For sure, for sure. So, that was a good chat, Emily. Um, Where else can people get in touch with us? Well, uh, Inner Barbie World is obviously found on the Why This Film platform, which is across all podcasting platforms. Double platform, always good. And um, are we on Facebook? We are on Facebook at Why This Film Podcast. Are we on Instagram? We're on Instagram at Why This Film Podcast. About the Twitter, we are on the Twitter at Why This Film Pod. Any other way they can support the show? Yeah, if you'd like to support the show, you can head to patreon.com forward slash Why This Film Podcast and support us from as little as three pound a month. Woo! And if you're really old-fashioned like me, you can um, get your Barbie opinions over to us on email at Why This Film Podcast at gmail.com. 